we know that everyone's at different points in their subscription journey. Some might not even really know what subscriptions are. Some might be just getting into it. So I do have to ask everyone if you can drop in the chat, if you have a subscription, where you're at in your subscription, um, if you've started one, if you want to start one, and it would be great even to just hear some of the things that you're curious about learning today. So great to have everyone here. Um, and we're going to move on to the big point before we actually get into it, which is that subscriptions in this broader ecosystem are a part of a movement that's happening. And I think we all have know that the world's changing all the time. But there's this wave that's coming that is giving us as authors more power and more control to be able to directly connect with our readers. What do I mean by that? So if you sell a book on Amazon, you get the book sent to your reader, you get your 70% royalty, but you don't get their email. You don't get to directly contact with them or really build a relationship with them. That's why we use social media platforms like Facebook, we use TikTok to try and connect with our readers, but it can be a lot. It can be unwieldy. And especially when we're trying to like build those deep, close connections with our readers, there's a big question of, well, where do we do this and how do we do this? Subscriptions are one way. And subscriptions are also a way in which you can directly monetize a relationship with your readers where you can have their contact information and that payment data. And as we move to a future where you as authors can build your own platforms, and you don't have to necessarily depend solely on retailers or solely on publishers, there's a lot of opportunity subscriptions. So that's the big picture. But now we actually have to talk about what subscriptions are because there's a lot of misconceptions. We pay for a lot of things in subscriptions like credits to software programs, credits to Kin Unlimited or Audible, and of course, things like Netflix. So I wanna bring it over to Amelia who to introduce both of us who are here, I co-host Subscriptions for Authors podcast. We're an admin in the Facebook group, Prescriptions for Authors. Most of you probably come from there. Amelia also is. And I'll let her introduce the rest of herself. Yeah. Um, so do you want me to, so I, I guess I'll go through um, this a little bit. Uh, so I started um, my subscription a while ago, um, but basically subscriptions for authors means like, you can sell any type of content. Um, it's not technically selling. You're providing access to pretty much any type of content um, you want. So that could be like um, books or audio, or you can sell like uh, physical goods. A lot of people like Katie um, Robert um, and Kay Webster, they do book boxes. They add books every month. Um, but this is a little bit different from Kindle Unlimited because Kindle Unlimited, we're doing, or readers are basically giving Amazon uh, money every single month instead of the author. And when you have, when you run a subscription for yourself, um, your readers who are your super fans are paying you directly. And that money is not really going to like a whole bunch of authors. It's just for you. Um, Netflix is kind of similar to Kindle Unlimited as like you pay a subscription every month and it got like the money gets, pulled out to different um, movies and such. But Michael, do you want to chat about OpenAI? Because I'm not too familiar with that one. So I bring them up because they're part of software that we pay for in subscriptions. So basically, when we access either things through credits like BookFunnel, through, um, and we probably have things like cell phone bills on subscriptions, 
we're used to accessing like tons and tons of services through subscriptions. And a big difference that we can do as authors that we're used to having in software is that we can actually provide a service to our readers that is ongoing and not just a one-time purchase of a book. We're offering access, just like you would get access to use something like OpenAI, or you would get access to use something like BookFunnel. And when you stop paying your subscription, your access ends. So one way to think about this for books is that you're not just getting access to read a book once, you're actually getting access to a world and a community that an author is creating for you. So that's a really cool part about what we're doing. So now we'll get into a bit about what you can expect um, with this business model. So Amelia, I'll have you explain maybe the traditional platforms and I could talk a little bit about how subscription platforms work in terms of how much you can expect to get paid. That's pretty important. Sorry, just muted, muted myself. Um, yeah, so basically subscriptions, I, I'm very biased because it's kind of like what I do. Um, but subscriptions, you're pre pretty much getting the most amount of royalties out of all these publishing routes that you could be doing. Um, so subscriptions, the average platform is 80 to 90%. Um, comparing that to eBooks on Amazon, you're getting anywhere between 35 and 70% royalties from your books. And if it's if you're selling them at $1, you're pretty much getting like that 35%. And I think it's like anything over $9.99 too, I could be wrong. You're at that lower royalty rate, which is crazy. Um, but then you have Audible and audiobooks. You're pretty much getting 20 to 40. If you're non-exclusive, you're getting that lower percentage again. Um, Radish and Bella, which are more serialized content, it's 50% webtoon, um, which are manga and comics you can sell there. Um, sorry, my cat is in the way. Um, you get 50% as well. Tales, um, which is like an interactive platform. So it's basically like an ebook platform, but you can add like music and pictures and all that stuff. Um, that's 35%. In terms of subscription platforms, there's a really big common misconception or confusion about them that I just want to lay out because we're getting to the mechanics now. We're going to get to the exciting stuff, which is how you can start. But when it comes to the payment processing fees, um, um, basically, uh, when you are on a subscription platform, not only do you have the fee itself in the platform, whether you're paying monthly to have it on your own site using software like WordPress, or whether you're paying to have a platform like, for instance, Ream, where we take a 10% cut of your revenue, there's an additional cost, which is bucketed under payment processing fees. These are hidden on ebook retailers, but what essentially is, is it's 2.9% plus 30 cents per transaction. I don't expect you to remember What was that, that percentage again? 2.9%. All uh, right, thank you. No problem, um, with 30 cents. And we just ask you remain uh, muted for now. Uh, you can definitely put questions in the chat, but that was a great one. So don't think that you can't ask that. Um, yes, so at the same time, one important thing to remember is that with lower like tier prices, like a dollar tier price, 99 cents books are great to sell, but a 99 cents subscription, maybe not because with a 99 cent book, you could get someone to maybe buy later books for 4.99. But if they stay on that 99 cents subscription, they have that payment processing fee, which is unavoidable anywhere. It's what banks and credit cards charge 
and it's 30 cents per transaction, which means if you have a dollar tier price, 30 cents are going to payment processing fees, which is not, um, not very good. So there, there's that. And then ooh, we'll go into the subscription mindset, which is all about how you can actually approach subscriptions now that we know a bit about what they are. And once we cover the mindset, we can start to get into how you can actually set one up and start making money from subscriptions and hopefully make your readers happy. So I'll throw it also back to Amelia for this one. Yeah, so um, the first big thing about subscriptions is like you see on the screen, the currency of subscriptions is trust. You really need your readers to trust you. Um, and if they don't trust you, it's going to be really hard to to grow your subscription. And so one of the ways that they can trust you is under promise and over deliver. You don't wanna over promise and say like, you'll be able to update um, book and early access like five times a week when you can barely do it once. And I've actually, I ran a previous um, subscription that I considered uh, a failure. Um, and I was over promising and under delivering consistently and it just wasn't growing. and it, I, I basically was over-promising and under-delivering because I didn't really like the content that I was putting out there. And so um, my Amelia- Holy really shit, this is boring. Muted them. Um, keep going, don't worry about it. My Amelia Rose um, subscription was a lot of um, under-promising and over-delivering throughout. Um, Sorry, I just lost my, my, uh, yeah. So yeah, my Amelia Rose was a lot of under-promising and over-delivering, um, and that's what really helped me grow. Um, and the next thing is consistent, consistency and communication is key. If you can't um, communicate with your readers, they're going to trust you less and less. So if something happens in, in your life and maybe you have like a health scare or somebody in your family, um, something's going on, um, you want to communicate to your readers and let them know like, hey, I might not update this month because X, Y, and Z is happening. And they, they, these are your super fans. So they're going, to, they're going to trust you and they're gonna be like, okay, this is fine. Like she's going to come back and she's going to update next month. And, it, and if she doesn't, then that, that trust is kind of broken down a little bit. Um, next, the slow build is the best. Um, you can constantly kind of like create those connections with your readers and you can really get closer to them. And when you get closer to them and build that community and that trust, people are going to see that and want to recommend you more and more and more. And again, this is uh, another reason why you should put your readers first. That's great. Great, great. Cool. And I now want to describe to everyone a bit about, we've been kind of pie in the sky with a lot of the big picture ideas and the mindset going into it. But now I really wanna share with you the things you have to think about before you start your subscription. And I really wanna kind of divide it into five steps. You first have to think about if it's a good time for you to have a subscription. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, in the author community, I think there's always this idea that we could be doing TikTok any one day YouTube channel, writing a, a book a month because there's so much to do and be doing short stories and serial fiction. There's so many different things you could be doing as an author. So the challenge is figuring out, well, what should I do? Because you can't do it all, at least not at once. 
And subscriptions can be great for a lot of people, but as we're sitting up here talking about subscriptions, I don't wanna pretend that subscriptions are great for everyone, especially in this single moment. So some things to look out for where it could be really good to have subscriptions. So we've indexed a list that we'll be releasing soon of 500 fiction authors who make anywhere from a couple hundred to a couple thousand dollars a month in subscriptions, or some make even tens of thousands of dollars a month. And one commonality that a lot of them come from is offering early access to their stories. So if that's something you wanna do and you have readers who would be willing to maybe read your stories early, then subscriptions could be something great. If you have readers who want bonus content, exclusive chapters, merch, book boxes, all of those are great places to start a subscription. Now, does it make sense to produce bonus content if you only have one reader? Maybe not. It might not make sense yet because for you, it might be better to spend that time investing into producing more books. Now, that's where the early access model comes in. If you're writing serial fiction, readers are really used to that behavior, especially on platforms like Railroad and Wattpad. In that case, early access could be great and could be an awesome way for you to get started. But maybe your readers aren't that into early access. Maybe you're producing content for an ebook retailer where that chapter by chapter format isn't as familiar to your audience. So maybe you decide you wanna to wait to start a subscription. Another way you're gonna start a subscription is that you wanna build really, really good relationships with your core audience. Um, oh, also, Amelia, I made, I made you a co-host. I should say that. Um, and I'll probably take volunteers if anyone else wants to be a co-host as well, just because um, for me and Amelia, it's a lot to manage chat and, and um, speak with all of you. But um, when it comes to the, what we want to do for like, okay, time to start our subscription, should we or not? My biggest advice to you is that the common misconception is that you have to have a thousand subscribers to have a successful subscription and that you should wait really late into your career. And I would say, although not everyone should start one today, you want to do it when it works best for you, when it makes sense, having a smaller subscription is an advantage. Being able to grow slowly is a feature, not a bug. And one way to think about this is that you can build core relationships with an audience of 10 or 20 people. It's really hard to do it with a larger audience at scale. To be honest, we're facing this example right now. So our first fireside chat, we hung out for like three hours. It was like six or seven of us there. And uh, it was a great time. We just got to chat and really get to know all of you. And we didn't need any like sort of muting or sort of like host and all these sorts of like things that we're doing now to try and combat people who might be, uh, you know, uh, trolls for lack of better words, right? So that's what was true for a while. And now six months in, we're so grateful. The community has grown, subscriptions for authors community. A lot of you have listened to the podcast. And this time we actually hit the max number of people who are allowed to come in. And I decided why don't, and we've never gotten close to it. And I was like, why don't we just let in more? We'll just like open the ticket numbers. I had no idea we hit that amount. Um, and a lot of you signed up. We're super grateful for it. But that does change the experience, right? Where now, if you're starting with a big audience, how do you build those personal relationships? We're very lucky and grateful that we've built a lot of personal relationships with you over the last six months. And we hope to continue doing that. 
but as an author who walks in on their first day building a community and has a hundred people in their live stream or a thousand people in a Facebook group to manage, that is really difficult. We're struggling and ran into some kinks and have been doing it for months and months. So my advice to you would be starting early is actually a good thing because you can build those core relationships, have that core audience of people who can help you out when things like a live stream, people unmute, just examples. And it's key to have those relationships because those super fans are what are going to make your book business. They're going to be who talks about your subscription, who talks about your latest release and gets people interested in reading it. So a subscription, why it could be great in the beginning is because it allows you to get paid for doing this work and for building this community and building those relationships at an early stage. Whereas you can't get paid for that if you're doing a Facebook group or any other way, building a community inside of a subscription allows you to get paid extra from your super fans to not only fund your work, but to also get paid for the time that you're going to be spending building those relationships. So that's just some more to think about as we get in all of this. Um, so now I'm going to throw it to the next slide, which is a big one on subscription uh, manifesto. And I want people to just think about this. Read it. I'm going to read it aloud and try to take these words to home because I think this is a really good way to think about subscriptions. It's a good way to frame it in your mind and maybe even to your readers because subscriptions and membership is not about getting more money from your readers and ending it there. And it's not about repackaging something and putting it in a different format and just saying, oh, done. You're providing extra value to your readers. And that's why we'll say, that my paid subscriptions and memberships exist for the benefit of my readers and a publishing market that rewards the new over everything else, whether that be new books, discovering new readers or new opportunities. I want to create a place that gives me the opportunity to put you first, my existing fans that make doing what I love possible. In an industry where publishers, platforms and advertising eat into most of the revenue authors make from their books, having a subscription allows me to build a sustainable business model. And let's create more and better experiences for all of you. Do you kind of see the vibe here? This is what we believe the power in subscriptions is, not just for authors, but at the end of the day, readers, because that's who we care about. So to continue, whether you are a paid subscriber or not, right? Because the key thing in here as well is that your super fans aren't money. Not everyone can afford your subscription. And a common misconception then is that you should price your subscription so that everyone can afford it. But let's think about concerts for a moment, how music and performing artists make their money, not off royalties like book sales, what we're used to making all our money from, but providing experiences for their fans to come together and enjoy their live music. That's where all the money is made in music. Now, Taylor Swift, if you go to one of her concerts, which I've, you're like the luckiest person on earth, you got a ticket. And if you even get to go, if you're like in that front row seat, VIP, VIP ticket, that is a lot of money. Now, nothing wrong with dropping that amount of money on Taylor Swift. You know, that's, if you can afford that, it's great if that's what you want to do. But for your readers, you have to think about these higher priced tiers that you might have. I know an author the other day, I won't name him by name, but he just had a, a reader subscribe to his $500 per month tier, $500 per month tier. He has 17 readers, roughly $1,000 per month in his subscription. That's incredible. Not all of his readers can afford $500 a month 
obviously. <laughs> Definitely not. I know I can't afford a $500 a month subscription uh, to pretty much anything, but maybe a car payment um, or you know a rent if we want to call that a subscription. But some readers can, some readers want to support you. Some readers can support $10 a month. That's maybe more reasonable for a lot of readers, but not for everyone. You know, times can be tough. And I think that's the part of subscriptions is that you're not trying to just prioritize the people who are paying you money. Yes, you want to provide them additional value because they are paying you. But it's about treating all your fans with that extra care, knowing that fans do not equal money in a one-to-one -one relationship. That's not how this works. And then finally, last part of this manifesto, by having a space where we can have a direct connection on the internet, I always vow to put my readers first. If you remember anything, remember those two words, readers first, and shape the future of this membership together. Thank you for supporting me, and thank you for being a part of our story as one of my readers, subscribers, people in a really cool fictional village that you're building inside of your tiers, whatever you choose that to be. And we're not saying that you have to use this or subscribe with this mindset exactly. It's just a manifesto we've developed that me and Amelia have found useful. But if you would like to take this, we give you full permission to do so. Um, we'll be following up with the subscription starter guide that we'll send to everyone for free. It's 120 pages long by the end of the month. And in that subscription starter guide, this manifesto is contained. And we give you full permission to, to use it and adapt it to your own means um, because we think this mindset's really valuable. So now, now we're going to go on to a question a lot of people have, which is about early access. And we have this amazing graph made by Sharon Coleman um, and under the pen name, Kim Lark. If you're here, Sharon, you're amazing. This was like beautiful. And I want Amelia to share maybe how she does early access. And we could reference this graph as what is a really good example of what this actually looks like, because we know there's a lot of misconceptions around early access. It's a lot to wrap your mind around. So I'll hand it over to you, Amelia. Yeah, so um, basically early access is one of the models, one of the, the main models of subscriptions right now. And a lot of people in Royal Road who are doing subscriptions and Wattpad are using this specific model. And what it means is basically people get access to your rough draft usually. Um, before you even publish it on Amazon or any of the big retailers. And how this happens is in your subscription, you might, like the graph shows, you might release the first like one to 10 chapters only through your subscription. And so people have to pay to read those one to, one to 10 chapters for the first 30-ish days. Um, and then day 30 or day 33, as the graph shows, you publish chapter one of that book onto a free platform. So that could be Royal Road, that could be Wattpad, that could be through your newsletter. Um, and so you drip that one chapter out. Usually you have a cliffhanger at the end and then you say, hey, if you wanna read up to chapter 10, those chapters are available through my subscription and you can read early. And then the next day you do this, or the next time you update, you do the same thing. Um, you release chapter two to your free platforms, which are Royal Road, Wattpad, um, your newsletter or maybe social media, wherever, wherever you're posting it. And then you also have a chapter released on your subscription, which is chapter 11. And so at the end of chapter two on that free platform, you're saying, hey, here's another cliffhanger maybe. Um, but if you want to read up to chapter 11 early before you can read it for free anywhere, 
or before it's even published, you can read it on my subscription. And it kind of goes on and on and on like the graph shows. Um, but that is one of the main models kind of broken down. And I actually love this graph so much or this graphic. Um, it's very pretty. Yeah, no, she, she did an amazing job. And it, it definitely even helped me orient this after all these months of learning about early access. I'm like, oh no, this like really makes sense. And with other, you know, subscription models, you know, this is one standard way to do early access, but there's other things you can give your readers. And I think we always tend to think about, you know, what we give readers actually in the sense of content. And there's lots of other ways we can give content that isn't early access, right? So we can do things like recipe books connected to our worlds, right? Think about like each month, you get a new recipe from me where you can cook things related to the fictional world. This might sound like crazy, but for a super fan of your world, they really want to be closer connected to it. You could have things like travel guides. You could have things like maybe exclusive blogs of your life or even written from a character who's sharing about your world. Really, the possibilities are limitless once you start to, again, think about your readers and put them first. But I also will say that you don't have to have like all tangible benefits for your subscription. You know, one thing that we, we can't discount is that by creating a space where you can connect with your readers and have relationships with them and you know, the ability to be able to maybe have a community where you're having only your super fans and you're having a more closer connection, that's additional value that doesn't require you delivering content, but really makes that experience better. It's like the backstage experience, right? Like that doesn't mean that the artist is having to perform three extra songs because you're backstage they do their same performance but you get a different look at it and that's one way to think about even early access is that readers are getting the things they love early that's a privilege you don't have to feel pressure to now create an extra book to do early access to to then eventually release you can give your readers the same book you were going to give them but um with all this we're going to get to questions like a woman um we actually did pretty good we're a half hour in 20-ish minutes, the presentation, we started a couple minutes. I'm proud of us. But with the 200,000 readers paying monthly, this is the total number of readers that we indexed taking 500 fiction authors who have subscriptions. 200,000, it's, it's a lot. Kindle Unlimited, we're not sure how many people are in it because Amazon's not very transparent, but probably around 5 million readers are in Kindle Unlimited. And this is not all the readers who are in subscriptions. This is just 500 authors we picked. A lot of them are top authors. We think this gets a good portion of the market, but it's safe to say there's well over 200,000. I don't want to make up a number that isn't true. We can say bare minimum this. And then with that, there's 12 million annually being made in subscriptions. And just to give you guys a perspective of this market, because people go, is this something big? How niche is this? Kickstarter makes for authors roughly around 25 million a year if we take out the black swan of $42 million going to Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter. So thinking about that, Subscriptions, given that this is only on this list of 500 people, is a pretty sizable market and is something that you can use in conjunction with something like Kickstarter, something like crowdfunding. It's part of this whole direct selling ecosystem. Now, if you're wondering where you can get the report, you can get it at subscriptionsforauthors.com. Um, we're going to be releasing that by the end of the month for free to people on the mailing list. So this is just all free resources to help you out. But now I want to um, switch it to questions and um, I'm going to stop sharing my screen and let's take questions in the chat. I um, 
just I'll re-enable. I disabled the chat for a while, so but it should be um, enabled now, okay. hopefully. Yes, chat hopefully is enabled. You all can put your questions there, and maybe in a bit we'll switch to audio as well um, to be able to hear from people as well. But um, put your questions. We'd love to hear from you because, like we said, we did not want to give you everything about subscriptions in a mind-numbing live workshop. We wanted to instead hear from you what you want to know and share that. So we'd love to hear from you. Okay, awesome. Well, in the meantime, as you guys develop your questions and don't be afraid, awesome. So what are your thoughts on Patreon and can I connect it to my website? How will people discover us on Reem? Um, okay, wow, we're getting a good amount of questions. So um, I'll answer those in succession. So when, it comes to discovery on Ream. I should orient people around Ream, and this will partially answer the second question. So, me and Amelia, um, we're both co-founders in a company called Ream, and it's a subscription platform by fiction authors for fiction authors. We're we're launching as we speak, slowly to the public over the next four months. We've brought on some of our first authors, and we'll be bringing on some more. In fact, some in this chat um, that we've already contacted will be coming on very very soon. But outside of that. Um, you know, when it comes to other subscription platforms, I don't want to tell you what platform to use because I'm obviously biased. Um, I'm always happy to like get into nuances of what's different about Ream versus Patreon. Um, you know, Patreon works. It's a perfectly fine option for subscriptions. We've obviously tried to create some place that we think is better, but we want to support your success no matter where you have subscriptions. Now the question of own website versus any subscription platform, because I don't want to just, you know, I don't want to enter into the, the Patreon conversation and, and sound biased. I think there's some pros and cons to your own website. Um, and then there's some pros and cons to subscription platforms. And I'll just cover them kind of the general. So websites tend to take you more time to customize and tend to be more technical. You're going to have to use more plugins, most likely to give your readers the experience that you want. And as a result, it will also take more time. In addition, it could take more money too, because it depends on where you're at in your career. Subscription platforms typically take a percentage fee. So for authors just getting started, it's free. And for authors who are further along, if you're like Amelia, who is making a full-time living from subscriptions, that fee can be, can be hefty. It can be into the hundreds of dollars per month. The flip side of this is that it's not gonna be cheap to set up your subscription on your own site. If you even have all the technical skills yourself, you will need to utilize some software to do it. And I've seen authors who've had setups that cost literally $2,000 a year in software expenses to run their site. And that's whether they make $10 or whether they make $10,000. So it depends is the answer to your question. And another you know, downside plus pro of websites is that you can fully customize it. Basically anything you can imagine can be done if you have enough money to hire a software developer and know how to do it yourself. The challenge of that is that your readers aren't going to be in an ecosystem they're used to. Um, so, you know, readers are maybe more used to features and other subscription platforms that's more used to them. So that's the short story on that. We can definitely talk more about it. And if you have more questions, um, you can definitely email us at contact at ream.inc or um, put it um, in the Facebook group. But for now, uh, I want to move on because I want to try and get to as much questions as possible. Um, on, on the quick follow-up though, Anna, um, Ream at the moment cannot, we are, we are just starting. Um, uh, so we are not able to connect to your website, but um, 
we that'll be something in our roadmap on our list of things to do. Um, let me scroll up. Do you see the question? My computer is loading very slowly at the moment, uh, which is unfortunate. So can you see? Yeah, something? there's a there's a few. So um, so I think we the first one is how will people discover us on Ream? Um, and do you want to take that? Sure. Um, so my first thing that I'll just share with everyone is that I always am wary about anything the author can when someone's trying to sell a promise or a dream. Um, you know, this is one reason why me and Amelia try to make the education we do as accessible as possible, hence this live stream, which you all were able to get tickets to. But another thing is that I have myself been promised very big things by platforms. I was live streaming on a new startup app that promised me that basically I'd become nothing short of famous on their app. So I spent a thousand hours on it. I've had like a, a deal with the company doing this. And I got 30,000 followers a month, which sounds amazing. They pumped a lot of people to my account, but there were so much glitches in the app. Uh, the users didn't like the other creators and the whole thing fell apart. And I ended up spending like four hours a day for nine months, like in a room of like 10 people um, live streaming. And it was, it was, I wouldn't take the experience back for anything, but the promise was not lived up to. So one thing that I, I really wanna make clear on Ream, just like on subscriptions, a great thing is to under promise and over deliver. We will do everything in our power to do that. And if I was to promise you new fans, it would be very difficult to be able to do that. So that's just one thing in general. I don't want people thinking like you have to join Ream now or you're not gonna make it as an author. That, that's, not, that's not what I'm trying to sell you on at all. I don't want you to feel that way at all. With Ream though, and discoverability, in the beginning, things will go slow because we are just starting. So I wouldn't expect to find any new readers in the beginning. But as time moves on, that's a high priority for us. And how you can think about Ream is less like another platform or another retailer, but your platform to bring readers into your world. But you can imagine how authors could support other authors through that sort of ecosystem. That's all I'll throw out there for now and just let you know we're working on things. Um, but we have other things to work on at first, which is helping you monetize your existing fans and build closer relationships with them. And that's what we want to do on the subscription platform. So that ho I hope answers that question. Um, yeah. So I was. Uh, so the next question is from Anna or Anna. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, what are your thoughts on Patreon and can I connect it to my website? Oh, I think I answered that one. I answered that one. Okay. Um, so we'll move on from that. I have Someone who I see um, talking about, I don't think I can do the reader first mindset. I need to put myself first so I create. Oh, okay, okay. How might someone like me who can't add extra things to their plate and is delivering, um, uh, write cons writing consistently to patrons um, and who can't commit to engaging with my readers in a community, use subscriptions? Second question, how will that type of a model be performing? Okay, great question, great question. Um, so I... I definitely think, because uh, we're still working with our language and things, um, when we say readers first, I don't want you to ever think that means like you are your readers, like, you know, you're working for your readers and you're at their beck and call and your life is to the side. I think it's very important as authors, we put our wellness first. And to be honest, I am like you where I can't do a bunch of different things at once. I need to focus on one thing and do it really well. And that's kind of my biggest advice with subscriptions just in general to everyone, no matter what you're planning on offering, don't do too much and don't do too much at first. I would say start small, start slow, 
And if you want to start with one to three tiers, that's all I'd recommend. And maybe with a few key benefits, and honestly, one benefit even is more than fine enough. So I don't feel like you need to compete with these people with subscriptions who've been doing it for three to five years and have huge audiences. At this point now, they have a big business doing subscriptions and that's beautiful. But in order to get there, you're not going to want to burn yourself out in the process, trying to do a million things before you even have the fans and the processes set up to do that, which is why you want to start small and grow the community and grow maybe what you give them with your fans. If you choose to, you don't even need to do that. You can just offer one thing forever and maybe more fans want that over time. So what my advice to you would be, if you don't want to be producing consistently for a subscription is to think about subscriptions a different way, which is what we'll call the per creation or per book model. It's sometimes tough to think that every month I have to be there for my readers. Every month, it's hard. So there's two caveats to that, which is you can turn off your subscription anytime so that your reader's payments are paused. That's key, that's key. If anything comes up in your life, you are not subscribed. You are not a subscriber of your subscription forever, right? You can also shut down your subscription anytime. You know, I, I would hate to see authors shut down their subscription. I, I don't want people doing that because I hope it's something great for you. But if it's not something great for you, please like, you know, phase out of it, you know, start doing something else that works better for you. But then on the last point is that subscriptions are recurring payments. That doesn't mean monthly. It doesn't even mean annually. It just means recurring. So, and that's wild. And I don't want to complicate things too much. But if I was you, someone who doesn't necessarily want to have the commitment to consistently within a specific timeline, you could set up a recurring payment model with subscriptions where a reader chooses to pay every time you release a new book, they automatically get charged. You can do that on subscription platforms where you're not getting charged per month, but per chapter or per book, per whatever thing you want to create for your readers. That would be my advice to you so that it doesn't have to be consistently within a set timeline, but can be as you deliver them. How fast do you need to publish uh, chapters to justify $5 per month early access? How many novels slash words does that work out for you, Amelia, at your $5 tier? So I... So I'll, I'll come at it at two different um, ways, I guess. When I first started, I my lowest tier was $3 and I was publishing like one to two chapters a week that were a thousand words long. So overall in that entire month, it was like, oh, I'm bad at math, like what, five to 10,000 words. Um, but I have, I also have a graphic novel tier, which is a little different. Um, and I published to that, subscription one time a month at the beginning of the month um, and it's one short chapter and there's people consistently in that five dollar per month here and joining it um, so I think it's definitely what your readers are used to and what you've like conditioned them to kind of read like your word count for example like my word count is very short it's like a thousand to like a thousand two hundred words per chapter and that's how I've conditioned my readers to read because that's how I write. Um, I like to write in those short scenes, but if you've conditioned your readers to read at like 5,000 word chapters, like you could do like one chapter per month um, or a few chapters a month, like whatever is doable for you. That well, would be my best advice. Another thing to think about uh, with this is that I believe sometimes as authors, rightfully so, because we've been trained this way for 
like years and years and years that content, like a direct volume of content has an output to a certain number of value in dollars. And, you know, for before eBooks, before the rise of maybe things like Kindle Unlimited, there was paperback books. And at some point a publisher would say that book's too big. Readers won't pay more than this for it. So we got to say this is between this range and this range, maybe 15 to $20. It's 400 pages. And roughly you could divide it out and get a number that you're getting paid per page or per word even. We also literally pay ghostwriters and things like that based on their per word amount. In KU, you get paid, no matter whether it's the best page you've written or the worst page, you get paid the same as long as someone reads it. Now, I'm not trying to say anything about literary value or anything like that. If readers love your books, that's, that's great. That, that's not a conversation about that. But I am saying that all pages are created equal in, in KU. All readers are created equal too, right? A reader everything's worth 45 cents, even if for them, they would kill to have the next book, hopefully not literally, really, hopefully not literally, but even if so, everything's the same. In subscriptions, it's different. And this is where we have to turn off the rational thinking part of our mind that goes, how can we quantify this value? You're creating a book with emotional value, these stories and worlds and characters that are so interesting, so powerful, that they literally make someone turn off their brain, turn off their brain to the real world, be immersed in your fictional world and start viewing the characters in your books like they're friends and acquaintances in real life. The same neurological pathways are ignited, the same areas of your brain light on fire when someone's reading. It's magical. And with that, it's very irrational, meaning, no, like we said, we wanna put readers first. We don't wanna exploit our readers. readers get to that, right? Because the currency in subscriptions is trust. So that doesn't mean, you know, charging them something ludicrous, a thousand dollars for one chapter. Even if one reader would pay that much, you know, maybe that's not the pricing you want for all or a larger segment of your readers, right? But what I am saying is that people will likely pay a lot more than you're thinking. And when it comes to charging, I know then that makes it super difficult because you're like, that doesn't give me an answer. I know. One thing we're doing is releasing a subscription pricing guide that instead of thinking about the end of, hmm, what, well, how much do I charge my readers based on my competition? We're trying to help you think about that. No, no, no. In your world, there is no competition. Your readers already love you. They're already poisoned by the spell of your books and they want more. So how can you give them more of that thing at a rate that makes sense for you? And that's where we've developed a calculator that is coming out that very soon. I, I say this like, the next three weeks. And it basically shows you by you inputting the expenses and the money that you want to make per reader um, based on like, okay, this is my shipping expenses. This is how much my time's worth and how much I'm going to be putting into it. How you can create a business model that is sustainable for you. Because for most people producing 20 chapters a week um, for you know $5 a month isn't sustainable. It might be for you based on your writing habits and the other things you're providing. But I recommend, again, providing something that's sustainable to you. It's super custom based on your writing process and your readers and what you can do to not only put your readers first, but as we mentioned earlier, put you first. So we'll be coming out with that. And just know that um, I would always, if you're feeling like this gut pit of like, my readers aren't signing up because my subscription's price too high, I would think that's probably not the first thing to look at probably not the first thing. And changing that pricing will magically find you more super fans. 
just like turning your books to perma-free, although a great strategy, doesn't magically find you a bunch of new super fan readers. Doesn't magically. So that would be my advice. Hey, I think we have a couple other questions. Um, when starting a new subscription, would you recommend drip feeding current books or just have them there in full? Um, I don't, so when I have kind of like promoted my subscription, I've like dripped new books that I was writing, like the current books I was writing. Um, and that seemed to work very well. I know some people, now that I have like my backlist on my subscription, some people come over for the backlist, but most people are coming over for the new content. I hope that clears it up. Um, but th that's not to say like, there might be some people who do like the complete opposite. It, it just depends on your, your readers. Also, my computer is still running slow because it's doing the recording and the transcription. So if you could just read out the questions. Yeah, good. yeah, definitely. Um, does this work best for established authors? How can new authors get momentum? So I'll actually, so when I started, I was not published or established at all. When I, I started my Amelia Rose pen name, it was completely new, completely fresh. I didn't have any crossover from my previous pen name. And I was able to gain momentum on the free platform that I used, which was Wattpad. Um, and as soon as like that momentum started, my subscription momentum started as well. So I always say like, you should get into subscriptions as soon as possible. Um, obviously I'm biased, but I think it also depends on your model. So a lot of newer authors work very well with the early access model because they're getting that, that new book and they're getting into your world but established authors do well with them, like bonus content or like exclusive content, book boxes, stuff like that. I think there was some older questions that we may have skipped over. So I do want to go back, yeah. let's go in order. Want to get everyone's questions in for sure. Um, yeah, my computer's like overheated at the moment, which is so funny. Cause I guess there's just like a lot happening with the computer, so funny. But um, basically yes. I think that, um, what we'll do for everyone who's still here, uh, which I'm very grateful for, at like 3.30 slash 3.35, so in about a half hour, we'll probably stop the questions. I'm gonna stop the recording and I have something special to show you that I think you guys will like. So something secret coming in about a half hour, just heads up. Okay, do you want me to continue? Definitely, definitely, we'll go right Okay. Up. So Rachel says, um, how do you decide on pricing for tiers um, caught between trying to encourage signups and not wanting to underprice my work? So you can take that one. I think you can sometimes have the best of both worlds by if you want to gain momentum in your subscription, you want to gain feedback and get readers in there, but you don't want to like set your pricing in stone forever. You could always create like a capped tier that limits the number of members in it that maybe is a bit cheaper that rewards early people or a second option, which I think maybe is even better is you actually archive that tier, which that is a feature we make very easy on Ream, but there may be equivalents elsewhere um, where you can basically archive a tier. You can make it so that it's not publicly visible, but the people who signed up by a certain time are in it, retain their benefits, 
and are basically grandfathered in on a price point. So let's say you want to launch your tier, like your subscription tier at like $5, but you know, you're going to increase it to $10, but you just want to get people in the door. Then you could do that and say, maybe the, for the first month, I'm going to bring people in on this pricing. And then after that, I'm going to increase my pricing to $10. Again, I don't always encourage authors marketing on price. So you might not even want to say that publicly, but that could be an internal thing you do. You could say that publicly, but one thing I always like to remind authors is that books uh, don't necessarily need to compete on pricing all the time. Um, maybe in the market of new readers, but to your existing readers, you don't necessarily have to compete on a price point um, to readers who already trust you enough to be there monthly. Because for, I know like people who are just getting started and I don't have a huge description. I, I'm just getting started with my readership even after 12 books, it can feel like, how do I get people to immediately go to my subscription? But I, I think that's the, maybe the wrong move with a new reader. It's how do I get this reader to trust me? How do I get them to like me and want more of what I'm doing? And once they feel that, then they may be willing to sign up to a subscription that entails a monthly payment or a recurring payment slash annual, whatever it is, that's a big commitment. So instead of thinking about how can I get cold reader right to my subscription, I would think about how can I get new reader to begin trusting me? And once they trust me, you don't always have to compete on pricing. That's my advice. Okay, next question. Is there a reason for putting it on Wattpad to get more eyes in your subscription option? So yes, um, a lot of people who do early access use Wattpad and Royal Road um, and it gets more eyes on their subscription option because um, I think we were talking about a little earlier with that like graph. So when you're dripping out chapters early on Wattpad and you have other chapters available for early access on your subscription, when you get to like a really good cliffhanger on Wattpad, people are like, I need to read the next chapter. Like what happens next? I don't want to wait another week to get the next chapter. I'm going to read it right now. So people will not everyone, but a lot of people will go and at least view your subscription and say like, oh my gosh, like there's 10 extra chapters I could be reading right now on there. Um, so that is the reason for putting it on Wattpad or any like free-ish website. Okay, um, next one. Um, can you talk about the viability of this model for authors that have no content at all using this method to start their career? I think we chatted a little bit about it, but if you have anything else to add, Michael. I just say to like explicitly answer the question. Um, I don't think by posting content on a subscription and only on a subscription, that you will find new fans. You need to go yep. to places where they already exist to then bring them back to your home, which is your subscription. Um, so I would recommend, you know, putting new content, you can put it in your subscription, but know that if you're putting it there, you're not gonna get new fans until you also put it somewhere else. Yes. Okay, next one. Um, you guys talk about starting small, but for those of us that are just about to launch, what is the absolute most important things that we should have available slash in place before launch? My answer is what your readers want, but that's not helpful. So I'm going to tell you how to figure that out because, you know, knowing a little bit more about your individual situation always helps for me to maybe guess things, but I'm only guessing. So to not guess, to take the guesswork out of it. So if you're coming from the world of serial fiction, how you start your subscriptions a bit easier because you kind of know based on reader behavior of these platforms already, Wattpad, Railroad, et cetera, those are just a few, 
that readers are already reading your book in a chapter by chapter format over a longer period of time. And thus to continue that behavior and offer them more of what they're already doing, the ability to read ahead and do that early access model, you know, that's something that you could guess pretty easily. And my thing would be just make sure you have those chapters ready on your subscription before people come in. But for everyone else who maybe isn't looking at subscriptions from that angle, you really have this beautiful conundrum of you could start anywhere. So where do you start? You could start with bonus content. You could start with early access, with merchandise, with book boxes, and it can get so overwhelming that your brain wants to explode, which I understand. So let's, let's simplify this. Your really key thing needs to be which readers, let's identify them, are going to even want to join my subscription to begin. them. Now, you might not know them by name, but you might know some readers by name who email with you a lot. That's then a great person if you literally have their contact information. You have like 10 readers who you've emailed back and forth with. Maybe you ask them, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about starting something that allows me to create you know, more interesting experiences for you and you know, also allows me to get extra support for my work so that maybe one day I could do this full time or I can work on writing better books for you, whatever you want to frame it as. And then ask them, I was thinking about, you know, what would you want to see from me? What would you want more of from me? And those engaged fans might respond. They really might. Now, if you don't have those people or you want to do something in addition, my advice is map out where your readers exist currently, meaning where do you have the ability to contact them? Your mailing list is an obvious example. But social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, you can still reach your readers there by posting. That's where you can make a post basically like a poll. You could literally do a poll if it's like in a mailing list where you ask your readers what they think about certain things and maybe pick two or three ideas that you feel like your readers would like and ask them if they like it. And if they like that idea, that's the idea that you need to do really well in your subscription um, when you launch. Um, and make sure that you create that awesome experience. It's way better to do one thing incredible and make your readers feel super special than have like five different benefits that make people go, this was all okay, but this is confusing. This is a lot going on. I don't know if I'm gonna stick around next month. Cool. Um, okay, next question. I have a WordPress site and I hate to give up that digital landscape. Are there any sites slash platforms that integrate well with WordPress? I don't know any Michael might, um, but I'm not positive. And platforms that integrate with WordPress. I can't see the question because my computer, so let, that's, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's plugins within WordPress. Uh, Memberful, I believe, is one that you could use. Um, I also believe uh, Ghost can integrate with your site. Um, uh, yeah, I believe they do WordPress, um, but Ghost could be an option. Um, but yeah, WordPress has a number of plugins. Uh, Memberful is the one I can remember off the top of my mind. Um, and like I said, you probably will need an additional plugin besides just one to accept payment. You may need one that's called a CMS, which is a content management system. You will obviously need that if you're delivering content to your readers there. Um, so you will need something that can accept subscription payment plus a content management system. Memberful, I believe, um, does, does a degree of both. Um, but, but like we said with the, um, the other things to keep in mind, but if you would like to do in your WordPress site, I believe that's an option. Wix also, uh, you could do a subscription on as well. I've heard a number of authors doing that. Uh, they have plugins, I think that enable you to do some sort of thing similar, um, to all the benefits we've talked about. So Wix is another option. And honestly, I bet you could, you could probably go to any place you could have a website and figure it out. 
Um, but yeah, with WordPress, search up their plugins. Memberful would be where the only one I can remember. I'm not saying start there. It's the only one I can remember. Okay, next one. Are there downsides to putting content on multiple platforms or does this just increase discoverability? Um, I would say it increases discoverability, but there's also like you have to manage those platforms now. Um, I'm I'm wide as could be. Uh, and Um, discoverability. Okay. Hope that answered that question. Um, the next one we have, what if your existing fans are on your newsletter, but not on something like Wattpad or Radish? Would you recommend having a free presence in addition to your newsletter um, in order to make the subscription model work? And I would say you do not need to have like you do not need to be on Wattpad or Royal Road or Radish. You can, and it definitely could possibly help you, but it could also like hurt you as well because you're gonna be taking time away from like creating that community on your newsletter um, by building a community on Wattpad. Um, so you definitely could, but you could do it all through your newsletter as well. Yeah, <laughs> perfect, yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. Is the next one, what is a good way to keep a schedule? I think that's the next question I'm seeing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, hmm. But so that, that gets into, you know, the biggest thing you should be doing is, is writing, obviously, just in general. But can anything is in writing schedules, difficult. So if you're talking about, like, with a consistent writing schedule so that you could then have a consistent release schedule, is kind of what I'm thinking you're getting at. Um, my biggest advice in that is to play to your strengths because you hear so many different writing advice online. So I can give you my advice, like get up early in the morning. That's not my advice actually. Um, but whatever your advice is that you hear some sort of guru say about how you can get more words in. But in reality, like we all have a different creative process. We all have different ways our minds work. I know I'm like very obsessive. So I cannot sit down and have a writing schedule every day. Because if I was to do that, I would be writing every single waking hour of every single day. And I, I did that for like a period of a year and that was really bad. So I needed to figure out how can I do more than just writing in my life, which meant like I need to give myself the permission to just obsess over my latest book for like three to four weeks, get it out of my system. And then I might not go back to writing for the three months. That's now my process. That might not be your process. What, so what am I saying with all this? I think we always get caught up in needing to write a certain amount per day a certain amount per this. And we like box ourselves in and box in our creativity. For some people that really works. That works really well to like be regimented. You should do that if that works well for you. It doesn't work well for me. So it's tough to then marry that with subscriptions that then require you to have somewhat of a consistent schedule if you're not like regimented like me where I will just write a whole book in a month and then I won't write for three months. My advice would then be to think about realistically if you're being conservative, how much will you actually produce over a long period of time, let's say a year? And then when you promise your readers like a schedule on a shorter time spans, make sure that you have time to be able to, just like you have pre-order deadlines on retailers, be able to complete your book, complete the chapters you need on time and schedule them ahead. And that's something that 
scheduling ahead is very difficult to do on a lot of subscription platforms. But for those of you who have like seen inside of Ream, we allow you to schedule things in like seconds. Like it makes it super easy to schedule 30 or 40 chapters. Um, but no matter where you're doing it, my that would be my advice to try and plan in buffer time and be conservative in your consistency because nothing, we're not machines. Nothing is ever truly consistent always and forever. Yes, I agree. Um, next one, on Ream, will there be a way to link our backlist books in KU while we're working on our in-progress books that aren't in KU? Yes, we have the ability to link. Um, you can link on your main profile um, in, in your community page as well. And I think within the book, like within other books, I could be wrong. I would need to double check that, but you can link. You, you can, you can yeah. link in a book if you want. I don't know if it's, generally people say it's not best practice to put links inside of a book that you want someone to keep reading because they could get taken out of the story, the narrative transportation. Um, but if it's your world, if you wanna at chapter three say, hey, hey reader, you might like this book of mine over here, you're welcome to do that. Um, on, on our subscription platform, we don't have any rules around where you can link out to in terms of like your own content or wherever else you wanna monetize. We recognize and encourage our authors to make money in other places. Um, next question, how do you manage physical book dis distribution? Um, and so I don't know if there's like a, an automatic, like automated way yet, at least for subscriptions. What I do is I, I, I offer like book boxes in one of my higher tiers and I order them and sign them all at my house. Um, I think Lulu books might have an like be automated to do that, but I'm not sure. So Lulu Press um, just actually released like, I think like right before the holidays, if I remember correctly, but it is out where you can, if you have addresses of your readers, upload it in a CSV, and then it will automatically calculate shipping. Hopefully you already have done a printed proof of that specific book. So you know what your print book costs are. And then, you know, if you have 50 readers, it'll send it out to those 50 readers without you needing to actually handle the books and it'll ship to them. That's one example. I'm sure there are other companies out there that do this sort of thing. Um, in fact, I know there are, but Lulu has that specific um, CSV tool that could be useful. In terms of like handling it, my main advice is that if you're shipping stuff internationally, you might want to bucket that out into a separate tier because if you are in the yeah. United States, shipping internationally it could get very pricey. Now, if you're international, um, like native, and you're shipping internationally everywhere because your readers are mostly located not in your home country, then you could just have one international tier for everything. Um, and what I would start to think about is what is like the maximum amount that like you would need to pay in shipping and just pretend everyone is going to be paying that because subscriptions are all inclusive meaning that when someone pays let's say a hundred dollars a month your subscription uh included in that so taxes are separate um but included in that is all your expenses so you're not going to pay them a hundred dollars a month plus shipping it's just a hundred dollars a month so with that you need to ensure that you have buffer for your shipping costs because i would hate for you to realize that and I've had done this myself. I sent a book to India once and I thought it was going to be like 20 bucks and it was like 70 bucks. And that that was like a, a real ouch moment. Um, and if you have like 10 readers that you realize like that ouch moment 
you realize that your nice tier that generated you $500 in revenue actually lost you $700, um, which would be horrible. So the subscription pricing calculator that we're coming out with is supposed to help you with that. So, so stay tuned, everyone. We're, we're going to be releasing that. Next question. How do, how do new authors build momentum on the free platforms in order to get the readers to offer um, or to your subscription? Um, and I think it's going to vary platform to platform. I don't have any experience on Royal Road, so I can't really talk on that. I know on Wattpad, what I did in the beginning was I really became part of the Wattpad community. I was reading a lot of like my, my main genre in the beginning was werewolf romance. And so I was reading a lot and like all of the werewolf romances on Wattpad. And I was commenting under other people's stories because I enjoyed them. And I was also leaving author notes at the end of my stories and just trying to like really connect with the community. Um, and when people commented, I responded to them and I thanked them for reading my book. And it's just what I would say, at least for Wattpad, is to really try to become part of the community that's already there because people like really like to read on Wattpad and they like to have fun um so yeah that's the advice I would give for that question okay um next question we uh from Jen how do we deal with taxes do Patreon um, or will Reem provide tax forms to use at the end of the year and I believe that's a yes yeah, def definitely. Yes. Yeah. So uh, how it works um, when you're running it through a subscription platform is that we are the basically marketplace facilitator. And I don't want to get super deep into laws, but what I will say is that we are the ones responsible for sales tax and VAT. Um, and that's true for any other subscription platform you use. If you use it on your own site, you will need to use your own plugins to do sales tax and VAT. Now, then there's your taxes. Um, so we will... Um, be sending you tax forms at the end of the year. Um, and they, it, it, it's based on your locality where it is. Um, there's like a specific, if you're international, you're probably familiar with like, gonna forget the exact thing, but it's like W1808 Ben, that's a pretty common form. Um, Europe has a slightly different process. Anyways, that is very standard. Uh, we work with the same people that other platforms do that you get taxes from. Um, so that that is all automated, that all works the same that you're probably used to. Um, yeah. Okay, next one. Um, you'd probably be able to answer this one better than me. Um, do you have any other recommended platforms, especially in the mystery thriller genre other than Wattpad and Royal Road to drive readers to your subscription? Mystery and thriller? Yes. So not in serial fiction, but in ebook serial fiction. Um, now we, we can get into an interesting conversation around like readership behavior and who reads serial fiction, which demographics and who typically reads thrillers. But with, I have to answer your question in generalization, sadly, but generalizing mystery and thriller doesn't typically do as well on serial fiction platforms. Yonder is trying to have mystery and thriller, but it's yet to be proven what kind of market Yonder will be. Yonder, for those who don't know, is like Wattpad slash like Webtoons parent company is launching a new thing where they're bringing on top authors and trying to monetize the backlist of additional publishers and create like a more Wattpad-esque version meets Radish. This is my understanding. Um, and I, that's a thing. So they are trying to make a push into Mystery and Pillar. So 
in terms of ebook platforms, you could you could look at them. I'm not sure they're accepting all authors right now to even be a part of it, but you can apply. Another thing is that podcasts, serial fiction podcasts do incredible. And the biggest genre in them is like basically science fiction. And the biggest of all of them is crime fiction. Um, does very well in a serial podcast. So you have a lot of thriller, um, mystery, serialized podcasts that do well. What is a serialized podcast? Basically, serial fiction, but each chapter is audio, basically. Some of them are really high produced. Some of them aren't. Um, but there's actually Lindsay Sparks who came on the podcast who, um, she, she creates a lovely podcast, but it's not like intimidatingly high produced. It's just her reading it. And she shared that she was getting like $100 a day on it, which is great, with basically no extra promotion for one of her book series that she was serializing through audio. So that would probably be the two places I'd look at. And the place that's more proven is the second. I, I think there could be opportunity for you there. Okay, next question. Um, I was thinking subscriptions were online or eBooks. Do authors need to mail physical books? No, you don't need to have like a physical aspect to your subscription. Um, some authors do, but not every subscription is run like that. And I would say the majority of author subscriptions are all online right now. Um, that could change in the future, but yeah, you don't need anything physical. Um, yeah, definitely don't, you definitely don't. Does anyone know how women's fiction does on Wattpad? I'm not sure. I haven't read much women's fiction on Wattpad, um, but it, I would do research, yeah. I would say um, definitely do your research, but based on the readership that's reading on Wattpad, Wattpad's typically under 30 and the women's fiction readership is typically over 40. So there's not like at the surface, a huge overlap, but that could do well there. Women's fiction is also very much an emerging genre. So um, the market's changing very quickly. More people are reading it, which is a good thing for you as a women's fiction author. Um, where those readers are exactly is changing. Also, I will say, I don't think you can apply uh, to, to Yonder. I must have messed that up. Uh, got corrected in the chat. Thank you so much. Um, Wattpad is maturing. I, I agree with that. Um, I think the most of their readers five years ago probably were underneath 22. And now it's, I would say, still majority under 30. That's majority. Wattpad has 90 million readers. That's a lot of people. Um, we don't know how many are daily active, but it's safe to say there's millions and millions who are active. So there, yes, there's definitely a good, decent number of people who are of all ages on Wattpad. I think that's safe to say. Um, so we have, hi, uh, basically when you're starting a subscription, your first subscribers essentially receive a chapter at a time, week to week, but let's say three months down the road, an entire book is on there now and a new subscriber just has to pay one month to get it all. How do you handle that? Seems unfair to the subscribers who are there from the beginning, any thoughts? So at least for me and the way I run my subscription is community is a huge factor in it. And people are paying for early access, but they're also paying to be part of that community when that early, early access chapter releases. So they get to immediately comment and talk with other readers about what they think is going to happen next. And I think that's um, very valuable and something that my a lot of my subscribers see as valuable as well it does suck that like 
people towards the end of the book only get only have to pay for like one month if they join late. Um, but right now, I don't think there's anything to kind of like come back at that at least like Patreon or like Substack or anyone has really done. Um, we've been like bouncing that idea back and forth for Ream. Um, but yeah, there's nothing like to combat that right now, unless Michael, you know, of something. Well, there's one thing you can do. So on on Ream, what you can do is it's not as granular as I think you're looking for, or as we want it to, so we'll evolve it over time. But let's say, trying to make this like not confusing because I almost need to map it out visually, but I can't like design it visually right now. So I'll do my best. So let's say that tier one is your subscribers that you're giving early access in. And you've now published chapters one through 30. That's what's in the book. So the people who joined in month one through month three have gotten all those chapters. Now someone joins in month three. Now they could have access to all the chapters, but what you can do is unpublished chapters that people who are actually in the subscription only have access to that month's content. And you can unpublish chapters as you go. Um, now there's a common refrain here. That isn't really fair to my existing readers who do also want to maybe look back at old chapters. I would agree with you. Um, this is why we're um, not only trying to segment out chapter release based on tier, but also time in the subscription. Um, but because we're just getting started, there's a long list of things that we want to do, and that's definitely on it. So that would be a, a cool thing for us to do. But for now, I think the idea that I gave you would, would work on Ream, and you could do similar things elsewhere as well in terms of deleting posts as you go. Frankly, um, this is what big serial fiction authors do in Lit RPG. Um, they, like Shirtaloon, I think, is up to like chapter like a thousand in his like big, like he who fights monsters story. And he'll like unpublish chapters as they go on KU. So that readers, it's not technically a month of content at a time, but he's unpublishing content as he goes pretty regularly as he puts it elsewhere. Cool. I think that's pretty much all of the questions. Unless I'm missing one. If I'm missing one, put it in the chat. Um, AI I tried to not safe for work art, something that readers enjoy and look for. I think so. I've looked at 500 author subscription profiles. Uh, so I'm trying to be objective here and not super anecdotal. Um, I don't have a number off the top of my head of how many offered that, but it was quite a few, um, especially like if you already are like a writer who maybe is writing senior romance, the readership's going to be interested in it, you know, could be appropriate for that. Um, yes, there's quite a few and I've uh, talked to quite a few authors who also do well in it. Um, one thing to remember with any sort of art commissioning is that you would like the amount of money that you're spending commissioning the art or the time to be profitable. Um, you don't want to be losing money because you're spending too much money in art. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, but if you have a really bad cover habit, uh, you could always release some of those covers as exclusive art too. Um, I know plenty of authors who buy way too many pre-made covers. I won't condone that behavior, but I understand because I've done the same thing. Do subscribers go on to buy a book that they got early drafts on? Uh, that question is a little confusing to me. Do you understand that, Amelia? Oh, I understand that. So yes. So um, a lot of my readers who read early access also, some of them buy my eBooks, but a lot of them will buy my paperbacks and hardcovers. 
Um, and it, I think I think it's kind of crazy because they'll message. I'll give the book for free afterwards. That after before I publish it, I give them like an arc. Everybody too. That's all clean and nice. And a lot of times people message me back and they're like, "Oh, I already bought the book on the ebook on Amazon," and I'm just like, "Oh, thank you, but you didn't have to." So yeah, um, they definitely do. Or some of them. Okay, so Lily, that's an amazing question. I want to let Amelia answer that, but it's basically how do you handle having written a chapter and deciding that you want to go in another direction? So people take the chapter down, or is it that just not something you can do? Elaborate on you wrote something in early access, the final draft's going to be different. What do you do? So for me, um, if I realize halfway through the book that I want to change the direction, which doesn't really happen that often, I usually continue writing the book as is and see where it goes. Um, but then once before I publish it on retailers, I will rework it if I really hate it. Um, and I just let people know, I'm like, hey, like the story has changed a little bit. Here's an art copy of it if you want to read it. Um, some things have changed. The ending might not be the same, but it still has the characters that you, that you loved. Um, and a lot of people don't really have a problem with it. At least I haven't found that people have a problem with it. But yeah. I think that's great. We'll, we'll accept like questions for the next five minutes. Um, and then we'll get into uh, our post-recording little share. But I will say that Discovery has gone down even in the last couple of years. But there are definitely a ton of hungry readers do well there too. I think, it, I think it's interesting, you know, discoverability, um, discoverability, like it kind of like goes in and out, right? Because across all social platforms, like, you know, there's always a new, new place where there's usually like a undersupply of like content for specific readership. Um, that happens all the time. Um, but definitely certain genres will see a sort of, um, you know, increase in books where the the barrier to entry goes higher, but usually the rewards get higher for the people who can actually conquer that market. Um, uh, Klytics is really interesting. Um, I obviously I support like what, being wide is great, but the data that Amazon has is really interesting. Um, just the broader ebook market and Klytics has some free reports that I always read uh, because they give me some interesting insights on different subgenres of fiction. And I think it's an interesting way to look at it. see. Otherwise, I think I'll, I'll have a closing message for everyone and then stick around. Don't go immediately after we stop the recording because we have something hopefully cool to share with you. But for now, I just want to say thank you everyone for being here. I had a great time and I hope you all did too. I hope you learned a lot. This will not be the, oh, can you repeat the name of that serialized podcast? So we actually brought Lindsay Sparks on our podcast. It was episode... Uh, 18 I think is episode 18 with Lindsay Sparks and it was I think called something like how she got 500,000 audiobook listeners on YouTube it was something around that title um but yes I, I would definitely go check it out um one last question I'll answer that before we go into our end so how unethical is it to say something that's exclusive on ads but then you decide to publish a serial romance and Bella or something later on after a certain time so it's actually um I don't think it's ever a good idea to like make exclusive content exclusive forever. Like that, yeah. you know where your business is going to change over time. So what I would say is like exclusive for a period of time. Now in your ad, you can say it's exclusive, but maybe when someone's coming on boarded, 
you just have a message somewhere that says exclusive for, you know, some authors will make their art exclusive for 30 days. Some authors will make their stories that they're having bonus chapters exclusive for a quarter, like 90 days, or maybe you want to do a year. Whatever that is, stick to that um, because you want to make sure you can uphold the trust of your readers. Uh, but I wouldn't also do the flip side, which is tell them exclusive forever, because what if you shut down your subscription, decide to move your content outside of your subscription? That's very well a possibility, especially on the timeline of like 10 or 20 years. And if it's the case that you do that, um, your readers might be like, well, wait, I thought this was only ever for me. And it's like, well, it was for that period of time. So that would be my advice on how to handle that. Yeah, and I'm gonna I wanna say thank you. And I apologize. We apologize again for everything that happened throughout the entire entire Zoom. That was uh, kind of bad. Yeah, <laughs> but we, this is the first time it has happened, so we'll be more prepared next time. We were totally unprepared. We actually uh, we kind of do a thing where it's like mutual trust, and I like hate that we haven't been able to like unmute people, but we just because of how the beginning went, have had to stick with that, but. Like in, in the Facebook group, we, we try and just let people flourish as much as possible. And y'all just are always so giving and so insightful with each other that, you know, we, we love that. But, um, you know, like we said earlier, there's an advantage to being small. Things can be easier and you can build deeper relationships. Um, I guess you're seeing now we're very grateful that we've, we've grown. Um, and that brings us to our future events that I want to share with everyone who's listening. Um, that you could potentially attend. Uh, so one of them is not our normal fireside chat. Um, so normally we have our fireside chats um, once a month, but let me share my screen, doo -doo -doo. going back into presenting mode. So normally we have our fireside chats the first Saturday of every month. We still do have our fireside chat the first Saturday next month. In fact, Amelia, I think you have the link for that that you can put in the chat. And if you're listening to this asynchronously, it'll be in the description. But we also have an event going on in New York City. And I want to just, before I even oh, describe it, please do not um, attend uh, this event if um, you have to travel hours. We'll be abandoning your family or spending your last savings. This is not a conference that's going to change your life. It's just a meetup of authors in New York City at this time. Now, why is it on this random date? at this random place, there's a story. So January 17th happens to be the one night that I'm free in New York City. I'm attending a conference called Digital Book World. Um, it's mainly like where publishing and technology meet. Anyways, Tuesday night I'm free and I'm like, let's get some people together who are in New York City. Then why are we doing ice cream in the cold? That sounds really horrible, but I'm gonna be honest, this ice cream shop is worth experiencing. So the two people who founded it are creators, basically storytellers like us. The founder himself, the brand who it's built around, it's called Dylan LeMay. He has 15 million followers on TikTok and he made it by telling stories while flipping ice cream. And when you go into the store, you get like these big ice cream balls that they throw at you. Um, I figured it would be very inspiring for us to go to, to imagine the worlds that we can build around our readers and what we can do as authors. We're so much more powerful as creative people online than we can think, even powerful enough that some of us can literally start multi-million dollar ice cream brands with their flagship store in the heart of NoHo, New York City. So that's where we'll be. Um, that's the story behind that location. And everyone is welcome to come. So if you have an author friend who is not here or a part of the community, but, but lives in New York City and wants to attend, it, it's just a laid back, 
chill event to meet some authors IRL at this ice cream shop. And you don't have to eat the ice cream because then it'll be cold. You don't, you don't have to, um, but I'm going to be at an ice cream shop. That'll, that'll be that event. And the last thing I want to share is that we do have our subscriptions uh, fireside chat next month at a normal time, first Saturday of every month from 2 to 3.30 p.m. Eastern. We hope all of you come. We will be prepared for the crowd um, and we'll be sharing insights, specifically diving into our subscription pricing calculator. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about different tier benefits you can add. So we'll have plenty of time for conversation, but we'll really dive into pricing. That'll be what our talk's about. Not a getting started one, but a how do we price ourselves? So that'll be next month, the first Saturday of February. I believe it's February 4th. So mark that in your calendars and check the link that Amelia um, will put in the chat to it. Otherwise, don't leave if you're actually in this room. But for those who are listening asynchronously, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I hope you had a great time. And if you ever have any questions about subscriptions that we didn't get to today, make sure to ask them in the Facebook group. And not only will me and Amelia answer them, but the hundreds and hundreds of lovely people in there. Thank you, everyone.